Good evening and welcome to episode 21. It's at Jim Bobcast. I'm Jim. And I'm Bob. Evening, Bobber. How are you, sir? I am absolutely spiffing. Cannot be... But I'm actually really good, actually. I can't grumble whatsoever about my personal well-being today. How about your good self? Your your hair's got a little tinge of yellow in it. It's not so white today. It's a bit more yellowy, you know. Uh, and your face, you've got quite a lovely tan going on there. You're almost ready to squeeze you for some Ribena, you little berry you. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm, um, yeah, I'm, I'm getting my good portion of vitamin D as I... Uh... Take many walks down the Broadwalk um, of uh, of an evening at the moment, sort of squandering the um, impending new financial year in my um, working life. It is the um, Christmas day of our calendar, so is it really? It is, it is, it is, and there is a big legislation. Have you enjoyed the presents and turkey and trimmings? It's more the um, any blanketless pigs. Hey, there's blanketless everything. There's sleepless nights, that's for sure. <laughs> but um, it's more the um, yes, the crown bird from the local butcher and uh, an evening's worth of uh, preparation to drop it in front of the entire family tree um, on Christmas well, lunchtime. Uh, so. It's just, it's just a fucking pickle, but um, it will get done. But it, it, I mean, it could be worse, pal. You could have had your closest family members going on TV, being interviewed by Oprah Winfrey, slating you. Uh, but we're not going to talk about Messrs. Meghan and Harry tonight. We are going to put that one. We're a free, we're a royal free zone. We are Majesty the Queen of your list, and we know you will be because you are a gooner. Need anything, love? You know where we are. Stay clear of any tunnels in Paris, Megan. That's all we're going to say tonight on Fucking that. Hell. Okay, Robert. we've gone two-footed in. So talking about things that people might be swearing at, we're going to open up tonight's show, the podcast. We're going to open it up with our highlight feature, Fuck of the Week, F-O-T-W. Hashtag F-O-T-W at Jim Bobcast. This week's fuck of the week, James, it's your selection. I wholeheartedly agree with you. James, who is our fuck of the week? Mikel Arteta. Mikel, Mikel, Mikel. You are fuck of the week. There is no two ways about it. You have unfortunately not covered yourself in any glory. You've had one game, one game only, and you managed to fuck it up. Yes, indeed. Mikel Arteta. But why is Mikel Arteta fuck of the week? We have a list here, James, don't we? Let's start at it and work our way through it. So obviously we're basing everything on the performance against Burnley at the weekend. Well, I mean, uh, yes. Not so much the performance, performance, but the everything about it. Yeah, but also I refer it very much to a teenager who um, gets one of his first jobs and starts accumulating wages and his parents entrust him for the very first time of having a child savers bank account, probably with a local building society, just to try and keep a lid on things. You, you may have got like a, a little ornament or stuffed pig toy to go with it. Yes, absolutely. And um, if you decided to opt against the um, children's ISA because you just simply don't earn enough money, then um, you are simply in the game of earning income and trying to amass credit. And 
every time you go to work, you find yourself subject to the most local outlet store buying overpriced trainers with your lemonade wages, just kicking yourself deeper and deeper into said bank account. And what you don't realize, actually, is the very good nature of a building society is sometimes that uh, because they don't have such laborious um, agents working the debit and credit line, you find yourself about £75 overdrawn. And this is an issue because you only earn £50 per week. So now you're starting to get overdraft fees and all of a sudden you're deep into a fucking swamp of guff. And you've got no FA Cup to uh, rest upon because now you've lost your job because uh, they, they saw that you were sweating whilst delivering plays at a wedding at a, as, a, as a young 15-year-old, worrying that this week's wages won't even uh, amass enough money to get you back in the black. So he has run out of credit and he is trying to climb the udders of, or the rudders, should I say, not the udders, the rudders of said ladder, but the pit seems to keep getting deeper. And the pit got deeper by this week's game at Burnley, purely because, first and foremost, why have you not started the same eleven that you've just absolutely dismantled Leicester with? Because with all due respect, it was a good performance. You know, saying that's that's the point of all. This the same eleven, uh, which, you know, even with that same eleven, you could say, you know, you could have replaced El Nene with Party. You know, starting Lacazette or Aubameyang, I could have either one of those. So there are some personnel changes that he could have made from that same eleven. Obviously, Smith Rowe carrying an injury as well. But it's not what I would say the, the positive changes that you can make to a very, very good team. It was the three, was it was a, the three most predictable changes, though. Which again, Well, I'm going to say one change isn't predictable, but carry on. Well, the three most predictable changes are he removes Cedric because he hasn't given him a run in the side in the right-back position. OK, so he removes Cedric. Let's say he's, he removes Cedric, he rests Cedric. I'm against it because the bloke played well, but I'm not against maybe a rest. We've got a big week coming up, a big big two weeks coming up. However, it's the fucking... in No, it's forget that part about the resting. Whilst I will come back to it, it's that he's brought... Bloody, he's brought Callum Chambers in, you know. I said it to you yesterday, you know, week after week after week, he's picking Bellerin, who's playing fucking shit. Zero people would pick Bellerin playing that shit. All of a sudden, you get a bloke playing well, who everyone would pick, and he fucking drops him. It's mental, mental, mental madness but he doesn't drop him for the bloke that's played the previous few weeks that's match fit, understands the system, actually gives something, albeit not in good form to the team. He goes and picks a centre-back and lobs him at right-back. He picks a player who completely undermines the way in which he has tried to coerce the fan base into understanding is his style of football, which is the fullbacks going beyond the wingers, hitting the bylines and crossing the ball into box for opportunities. Callum Chambers has never done that in his fucking career. So he isn't even so now my biggest concern of where I've mentioned things to you before is he doesn't know his best eleven, Bob. He now doesn't know his fucking style of play. That's exactly right. Not a clue. 
You know, I, I liken the way we turned up on Saturday as we're turning up to a barbecue with vegan food and we expect to dine on fillet steak. You know, Arteta, he, he gets players in good form and drops them. He gets players in bad form and keeps fucking playing them. It, it's almost, he's clueless, absolutely clueless to how to pick a team, how to set a team up you know, but he'll have good games. He'll beat Leicester with a team and everyone goes, well, that's a bit of a good result for Arteta there. Maybe Arteta ball and the tactics are working. We said it ourselves. We'll get behind him if that's what he's going to do. But the following week, he doesn't do it. Continuation, consistency, have a style, stick to it and you will play better football and win. Obviously, you need plans B and C. But I don't think he understands plan A. So plan B and C are absolutely fucking futile if you haven't got a plan A. I mean, he's about as close to playing fucking Wagyu football as I am to getting in the fucking Ryder Cup. So it's, 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 it's complete adolescence. like, And he is showing that he is a, a juvenile manager. I, I, I mean, I'm exasperated by it because he, he has good performances. And the most obvious thing to do when you have good performances is to, the only obvious change, actually, I think, with all due respect, Bob, was to bring in party for El Nenny. That was the only obvious change from the Leicester game. Other than that, everyone else would have had to sit on their hands. And a, man, a ruthless manager, and he has made ruthless decisions, or he has taken the front for making ruthless decisions in his time, in his 18 months at Arsenal, would say to Aubameyang and Saka, well, I'm sorry, but this guy got given your ticket, and... Well, he ain't want, he don't want to fucking let go of it now, so I've got to give him another go. And, you know, I've said to you, I understand rotation, but I also you also have to respect in football purple patches. And every single time Nicolas Pepe has seemed to play himself into some kind of form, he has been removed from the team, like, immediately. Uh, so, uh, but it's not just Pepe that does that. You know, you saw Cedric, we, we, Lacazette, we, and all three Lacazette, of them, all three yes. of them were taken out of the team. So, and I said to you, it's the most from Arteta's perspective, it's the most obvious. Like I said before, the team came out. My prediction on this game, I've absolutely changed it, and this is so Arteta. I mean, I didn't predict that he was going to drop them all, but when you said duh, 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 I said straight away I knew who they were coming in for. And he's true to form. Honestly, it is, it's, it's completely true to form. And the game, the game highlighted for me is what he thinks he might see or what happens in training just does not convert to the pitch. And I cannot believe that he has got the buy-in of the players. Aubameyang scores his goal from the inside left position. So you're either going to move Aubameyang left, drop William and play uh, Lacazette, that's a possibility because he scores his goal from exactly that position. It's almost like William was actually in the false nine and Aubameyang scores his, his goal in that position. He, he almost scores his goal in that position in in the final knockings of the game. Well, I think he does score it in that position because Lacazette's come on the pitch and he moves slightly left of him when Saka puts that dream ball in. So he actually scored. I mean, you're the stato, and maybe for next week you can actually get a Bamiang um, sort of goals per minute from CF and and, le- and and left forward. But well, we're going to have a lot to talk about next week, pal. So we'll see if we can squeeze a stat session in. But I, I can't. Uh, I, but, but I don't understand why he has dropped Pepe. 
And I do want to get on to Saka a little bit when we come to Burnley. Uh, so we'll stay on point with Arteta for a moment. But Saka hasn't been in good form for a while in the league. I know he had a good game against uh, Benfica in the uh, in the Europa League, but he has been poor in the league, I think, since Leeds. And um, we, he played us into a poor position. In the league, they've started to double up on Tierney, which means you have to have a very active right-hand side. He brings Chambers in, which isolates Pepe because they can't go beyond Pepe. So Pepe can't do his thing when he wants to come off his wing and well, run Saka directly. Even people. As it was, Sorry, Saka couldn't come in. Saka loves to come in off his wing and go direct to people. So he's isolated those areas. Now, they're doubling up on Tierney and he's got no width right-hand side. So now you've isolated Odegaard. He's got to come deeper for the ball and play in a pocket deeper. And then if they play up, which they did, they stood up, then you've got to try and get the ball in over the top. And I think Party did it successfully once, where Aubameyang should have taken a chance. But it, <laughs> there's no there's no second mind to the game. So I said, right, I've had enough of this shit. I now need to fucking get some numbers down on where we're at. So literally, just before we're starting to record, we hadn't planned it. It's not on the agenda. We've basically run 47 game averages to the point where Arteta's been in charge, Wenger's yeah. last 47 games, and the 47 games of Emery in the Premier League. So, we're basically, we've, so Arteta's been in charge of Arsenal now 47 league games. He's won 20, drawn 11, uh, 16 losses in that time. 16 losses, uh, scored 67, and he has 39, 49 goals against him. So what that does for... Arteta's he's got a 34% loss rate and a win rate of 42%. You know, which is unbelievable. It's, it's dreadful actually. You know, if, and if we look and that's his total amount of games. If we look at the total amount of games that Emery had for Arsenal, Unai Emery, the the coach that was lambasted and immediately ushered out of the club. He's played four games more than Arteta. His win percentage is 49%. Uh, I believe, James, uh, that's about correct, isn't it? Yeah. And he's, he's, lost, he's lost his 25%. He has scored three more games, three more goals in those four more games. So obviously with four more games, you can see Arteta parring that score. But in less games, Arteta has lost more than Emery. So that stat can't be overtaken. And in four more games, Emery has won five more games. So even if Arteta wins his next four league games, which puts them on parity in matches managed, he would have still won one less and still lost three more. So a swingometer there would say he is 12 points less better or worse off than what Emery was, you know. And I would say, and I've said this before, that the pause in last season for COVID, that break in the season, has arguably improved Arteta's stats because it's enabled Tierney to come back from injury. And I think if you look at that little summer period in between when we broke in that March for COVID and we came back in June, I would say that between that time, that's where he's won the FA Cup. If we'd have played Sheffield United in the FA Cup when we were meant to be scheduled to play them, we would have probably got knocked out. We certainly would have lost to Liverpool. We would have certainly lost to lots more games that we've actually picked up and won there. You know, he picked up a, you know, Liverpool thinking about their summer holidays playing, I think it was at the Emirates in in July. They're, they're, not, they're not focusing on that game. He, he picks up a, a cheap three points there. 
That wasn't July. That was that can't have been because I don't. Well, or could it have been because the Premier League season was? That yeah, it started off back end of June, finished July with the FA Cup final being the first of August. Oh yeah, of course. And then they obviously they were still on holiday when we beat them and won the Community Shield. Yeah. So that's there's there's some results there, but. You know, this is mental. It prompted us to look back and go back and just have a little thing. Arsene Wenger's last two seasons, the two seasons that got him the sack, he's played 76 league games, obviously. He's only lost 19 of those 76, which is 25% loss rate. So, you know, it's a full 9%, you know, almost 10% change in, in games. So 3.8 games. How many, yeah, three and a half games how, how many losses has he had? Wenger, in his last two seasons at Arsenal, had 19 losses, which... You yeah, know, and that's, compute... in, that's, in, that's in 76 games. Yeah. Yeah, and he has, he has lost 16 in 47. So yeah. he has to basically only... Look, I mean, I'll be absolutely proud as punch. I'll let fucking Colchester Zoo run through me if he only leaves, if he only loses three games in the next 31. But he's not going to, is he? You know, and and then if you look at other things, you know, this is madness. Wenger's entire career at Arsenal, he had a 57% win ratio. Yeah. Now, when you said that to me, I said, well, he did have those invincibles, James. So maybe, maybe that's that. But then you went and looked at his last two games, didn't you? Last two seasons, yeah. Last two seasons. And his last two seasons, he's had 42 wins from 76, which is, again, 55%. So even in the seasons where we want rid of him, you know, which I will add in these last two seasons, he won the FA Cup as well. So further comparisons there, uh, beating again, beating Chelsea in the Cup final. You know, it's unbelievable. You looked at goal differences, James. Yeah. And it was, uh, Arteta's goal difference is a positive 0.38 goals a game. So Arteta takes to the field, Arsenal should score or should be beneficial so the tune of 0.38. Emery's was 0.41, so he should be beneficial to 0.41. Wenger's is 0.73. Obviously, hugely uh, improved on there. In the, and that's that just in his last two seasons. We didn't use the data from his entire Arsenal career. Where he's run no, we, we needed to keep it. We need to try and keep the, the, the paint and the canvas identical so we can judge them. But then if you look at this... You know, take those last 47 games, and this was your doing, James. I'm just going to read it out. So if you look at those 47 games that Arteta's had. So Arteta's 47 games, as we've already said, 20 wins, 11 draws, 16 losses, you know, which is 71 points based on those. So from 47 games, Arteta has amassed 71 points. Looking at that same stats applying what other managers' win percentages are, Emery amasses 81%. Sorry, 81 points. So Unai Emery is getting 10 points more on Arteta over those same 47 games when we look at percentages. Wenger is knocking in 87 points versus 71. So you're talking 10 points better with Emery, 16 points better with the dinosaur that's Arsene Wenger, apparently. You know, it's just, look, the credit is well and truly gone now for that FA Cup win. It went for me the day that he put a week inside out against Southampton in the FA Cup because I don't feel that you can on one hand rejoice in winning something and in the next hand show it no respect. 
Yeah. That's a very, very, very well put. I think you, you I mean, you've undermined the FA Cup, realising that it actually gives you European football as well. I know the Holy Grail is the Champions League, but no European football well, is a massive head. But James, James, that's, that's your, a massive thing you just said there. If you do not qualify, you know, the Holy Grail is the Champions League. And by playing in the Europa League, you have two opportunities to get to the Champions League. Top four or winning the Europa League. If you do not participate in the Europa League, you must. You can only finish top four. And Arsenal, right at the moment, with Arteta in charge, are fucking light years away from being a top four side. Oh, mate, the top four is the top four is to West Ham United with David with David Moyes in charge are closer. Well, we're closer to one of Elon Musk's satellites than we are the top four. That's exactly correct. We are miles and miles away. So Arteta for me, and you, James, he is absolutely categorically fuck of the week. We're nine because off Chelsea, and they're, and they're just about to win, so, against Everton. Yeah, and just, you know, it's, but what's happening now in, the, in this week, James, and last week with the league games, is all those games in hands that have been missed out are starting to be played. So what we will now see, again, my comments I've said a lot, for the last few weeks, is we now get to the parity where the stagger's been taken out of the race. And you'll now see how far away yeah, we are. Yeah, because everyone's papering over cracks and everyone's fucking hoping that all of a sudden some teams pull a thumb out of their arse. And Fulham again have. And God knows, we said it last week, I have no fucks and no clue what is going on at Liverpool Association Football <laughs> Club. But it wasn't going to happen to every single team. And, you know, and the bizarrely, what would be very interesting to see actually what Tuchel's record is at Chelsea since he's taken over because they've they've now catapulted it's, themselves back into the top it's four. Really, it's really, really good, actually. He's shown some great form. You know, Liverpool's, I think Liverpool's defence uh, of the title has got to go down as probably one of the worst defences of, of a Premier League title. I think even Leicester and Blackburn, when they won their solitary titles, have defended better. You know, uh, this is a really bad uh, renewal from Liverpool. Uh, shows a lot there. Shows a lot. Probably shows uh, how important the Anfield crowd has been to them as well. Uh, Bob, so really interesting. So Thomas Tuchel joined Chelsea on the 23rd of January and he has played nine games, won six, drawn three, zero losses. That's what a winning mentality does. No, that's what a ruthless ownership does. Well, that's what they did. They went out, they sacked a crowd favourite. They got a lot of negativity. With the utmost respect to Mikel Arteta, right, he is not to Arsenal what Frank Lampard is to Chelsea. No. And I'm not, I'm not talking about him as a manager now, as his, as his career as a player. You know, Frank Lampard, Frank Lampard arguably, if he has that career at Arsenal, is statue worthy. That's what he had at Chelsea. You know, he and John Terry are, are club legends as players. But the club saw an opening when a manager like Tuchel comes available and they go, <laughs> yeah, bang, done. Well, hold on. I mean, Liverpool did it all those years ago when they had Brendan Rodgers in there. Remember, Brendan Rodgers took them close to winning a title. You know, there's Klopp that's saying he's available for management again after leaving Dortmund. And they just sack Rodgers literally on a, on a Saturday afternoon. I remember Henri putting his hand on Carragher's leg when it happened. Sacked him like that 
brought in a new manager like that, Champions League, Premier League later. Yes, they're in bad form at the moment, but previously to that, they've really No, risen. but he is a manager no. with fucking oodles of credit in the bank. I mean, there's a lot of... Yeah, but he's also got no fucking centre-backs, you know? Yeah. You know, how, that, that, that's what's going on at Liverpool. What was Liverpool's main problem? They had shit defenders. What did he go and do? Replace them with elite personnel who are not haven't played all season. That's why they're pony, because, you know, it's like if you buy a very, very expensive bath and you put a shit plug in it, it's going to leak, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Liverpool have got. You know, they've removed the plug and they've replaced it with a piece of cotton. You know, that's why. So that's what's going on at Liverpool. But Arteta doesn't see this. He, he shuffles the pack. Arteta sees Willian doing well in training. So he must play in the league. Even though he's shy, he sees the same with Bellerin. He then sees Cedric play better with Pepe on the right-hand side. And he goes, well, they play really well against Leicester. We beat Leicester 3-1. Pepe played brilliantly on the right. Cedric was a really good foil for him in support. You know what? I'll drop him because that will make us do better. What a fuck. That's it. I think we need to move on to Burnley now, James, because it's going to be a continuation of this point in its entirety. But this week's fuck of the week on at Jim Bobcast is the manager, Mikel Arteta. You fuck. Yeah, so Burnley, you know, we saw the lineups. We've talked in in length about what we feared about the lineups. We we were welcoming uh, obviously party back into the side. Very happy to see him start, and and that's it. You know, the rest of it. Seeing seeing Saka come back in. Now I'm a fan of Saka. He's played some good games in the Europa League recently, but his form in the league has potentially been indifferent, you know, and I think what he's shown, and he's shown it on several times now this season, he showed it against Wolves, and he showed it at the weekend against Burnley, is he gets into incredibly good positions and he misses and doesn't take chances that he should definitely be taking. And it's this that I know you do, James, and I'm just opening up ready for you here. This is something that I take issue with because he has to be he has to be finishing those chances. Pepe has taken all of uh, well not all of but a, a huge amount of heat for the fact that we didn't go on and win the game when they had barely a sh- I don't know that they had a shot on target before we gifted them a goal which then actually meant that we opened up a little bit. And Leno actually ends up making well, a big save, and it's a poor attempt by Chris Wood. It's a blend of the both that actually stops us going 2-1 down. Now, I won't overlook the VAR point, but that VAR point never need be an issue. It's kind of like one of those ones where Xhaka and William the week before, get away with the goal against Leicester. They gift them because we go on and dominate them for 85 minutes. But in this instance... <laughs> In this instance, that thing that that we watched in front of us, we should have just fucking giggled about. And actually, it might not have happened if we'd have been 3-0 up because people might might have been a bit more nonchalant and less complacent on the ball. And Saka and Aubameyang both have huge chances. They they, They are on the same level as the chance that Pepe had. Absolutely same level. And, you know, both of them, it is... 
absolutely inequivocal that both of them missed the target. So it's the same standard. Neither of them have drawn any kind of save from from the goalkeeper because we only had one, we only had one shot on target until the 85th minute, which was the goal. So uh, yeah, I mean it's, it, it's and, this, and that, and that is the point of Saka. People keep telling him we we've, we have said this point before that Bartini. The best thing that's come out of this football club is the is the development and rise of Hayland. Phil Foden is not spoken about in the same in the same light because there is Kevin De Bruyne and Raheem Sterling and you know Mares and and the continual battle between Jesus and Sergio Aguero and Bernardo Silva, you know, and and then Phil Foden is very very much the cherry on top of a beautifully um, engineered cake that Manchester City have built, and the re and and, and the reemergence of John Stones under um, under Guardiola's guys, you know, Cancelo now com- absolutely coming into his own and showing diversity in midfield and on both fullbacks positions, but. We have absolutely hung our hat on Saka must be in the England team. This is exactly what the Arsenal fan base does. It is a, a, a bizarre world that the Arsenal fan base can create hysteria and cut. But, you know, we have hung everything on, on Saka. There is, there is no one in the Arsenal fan base who is sitting having conversations, virtual, virtual uh, drinks in the virtual pub because of COVID this season, that has turned around and said... It's not a problem that we've fucking not got Ozil. Smith Rowe is going to be elite this year. No one in August thought that was a, a potential scenario. They thought William was their saviour and Arsenal maybe were going to play a 4 3 3. And they were praying for an Awar to come in to play the kind of like Ramsey role ahead of a party and somebody else, maybe a Ceballos or, or a Xhaka. You know, I think the fan base is split on those two fucks. So no one was thinking. Smith Rowe actually is is a spanner in the works. They might even think that Joe Willock might kick on from the good finish that he had at the end of Indeed, the season. Indeed, we did. And we, we did following on from the European performances. Yeah. So Smith Rowe wasn't on anyone's radar whatsoever, you know. And the emergence of him, he de- he deserves all the credit he can get for it because he has shown that he he really has a bright future ahead of him. But and Saka has had periods where he has been great. The solitary individual moment with the assist against Benfica got us through the tie. But he has been in a number of positions this season where he's got himself into goal-scoring situations and not taken them. A number of them. He's had a couple of clear misses in the box. He had a dreadful miss against Leeds. That was a dreadful miss this week. He was poor against Leicester. He was, you know, he was actually poor in both Leeds games. Didn't he? Did, I don't think he played against Leicester, Saka, did he? He was, he was rested. He was poor against Leeds. He Sorry, was it was Leeds. It was, it was Leeds. It was um, it was Leeds. I meant. My apologies. Yeah, his his. You know, against Wolves, he had that such a bright start. He misses. You know, he got a goal. Had one ruled out. What have you? Did this? Did that? But he's missed. He had actually that Pepe moment in that game, didn't he? He had that miss kick. You know, it's 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 very good to sort of have a pop at someone for miss kicking a ball and not actually making contact. But when you've not made contact, then obviously that's that's the issue. However, when you do make contact and you miss the target from a chance you should be taking, then then you have executed that part poorly. That is actually Whereas, interesting. I haven't watched it back in slow-mo, and this is not inexplainable. A professional athlete cannot miss a chance like that. That is absolutely 
unexplainable. But the pitch was fucking rubbish, wasn't it? You sent a, oh, the pitch. The pitch was woeful. A, you sent a fine tweet that the Indians would love a bowl on it, and you're absolutely- yeah, there the, were the spinners were queuing up. You know, there was doozers and uh, you know <laughs> all sorts being bowled on that wicket. Was- that is a good point. The quality of the pitch was bad, but it doesn't take away from the fact that Arsenal on several occasions this season have not converted domination into goals and points. It was a fantastic fucking surprise that we scored after what it was, a few minutes early doors, you know. I'd barely finished my pre, pre-match shave and was, was nibbling on the celery in my bloody Mary at this point in time. And, and we score and it's like, what's going on here? Obviously, we've been on the back of of many a, a early conceded goal in recent weeks. So to go 1-0 up was brilliant. But we've not followed up a period of absolute, oh, we're playing well here, Arsenal could score two or three or four. We didn't do it. We didn't do it. He hasn't, time he has after not dis- time after he's time. He's not dismantled a side. said this to you. He has not, he's not put a team over his knee. We had an opportunity. I think it could have been Leicester if not we had a, um, a game or two older. And I was like, you've got to go on and get four, five, six now. Fucking bury someone, you know? You're absolutely right. When we were playing Leeds, we were, what, 3-0 up, 4-0 up. We should have we should have pressed on and done better, though. Yes, we were gifted. They should have drums. buried West Brom in the snow. Well, we, we, we beat West Brom, what was it, 3 or 4-0? Yeah, four. But, but that was a result where we were so far ahead with the domination, it, it was almost... Nice of us to only one win that game 4-0. You could have won that game. You know, if you take Man United not not two, three weeks ago, beating Southampton 9-0. And we mentioned it in, in the pod afterwards. They put Van der Beek and Martial on when they were 4-5, I think. You know, it wasn't battening down you know the that, You know, Martial actually went down for a dive to try and get another penalty. You know, that that's the instinct. That is the killer instinct. That is... You know, that is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who let's not be, let's not be honest, he's uh, he's not exactly the best manager out there. Well, you know? he's like, he, not... looks, he, look, he looks as soft as puppy shit. He looks like he should be hosting a show at 6.30 on CBeebies, <laughs> talking three-year-olds to bed. I mean, it's, uh, honestly, it, it's nonsense. And you, you were very right to wrap the fuck of the week up and bring Burnley into it because it further highlights the fuck of the week. And if I'm, if he's ruthless... He will not start Saka on, uh, on on Thursday night. And he'll play Lacazette. And I think actually he'll move Aubameyang to the left-hand side. That looks like the smart move. And he will go back to a Pepe Laca, Laca Orba. I'd like to see that against Olympia because I think that's going to give us a really good chance. And if he does do that, you know, when we come onto the pod next week... I would just take a step back and say, okay, you didn't play them because you rested them. Now, I'm absolutely fucking adamant that that is not going to be the case. James, look, what will happen? Let's just be, let's look at ourselves here. So this week we've come on, we've called him fuck of the week. We've done this, we've done that. Next week, we, oh, we, well, we beat Olympiacos 3-1. Congratulations. We beat Spurs 2-1. Brilliant, well done. We come on it. Oh, Arteta's done this with the team. He's played this place, this player. Who we got this week? Oh, we've got this week. We've got West Ham uh, away from home. And we've also got Olympiacos in the second leg. Okay, then. Oh, all of a sudden you're playing Willian as a false nine. Martinelli on the right wing and 
Odegaard on the, the left wing and you've dropped all of them and you're playing Callum Chambers again. And in defence, you're playing Rob Holding and Gabriel that haven't played for three weeks. And all of a sudden, we lose against Olympiacos. We get smashed up by West Ham because he goes back. Because he doesn't have momentum in his team selection. Because he doesn't know what the best team is. And that's the hugest, hugest issue. And he thinks... He thinks he's being clever. And that's a huge, that's such a big mistake. The person that knows they're stupid is a stronger, more intelligent person than the person that thinks they're clever. And I think that's something it, you know, look at West Ham, you know, look at... You've only got to look at those. Dean, look yeah. at Dean Smith at Aston Villa. Knowing where your team's strengths are, knowing how to play... You know, and playing within limits. Sheffield United did it last season. They're still having an atrocious season this year. You know, knowing where you are and what is the right thing to do is so much better than aspiring to glory when you haven't got, you know, when your body's writing checks that it can't cash, you know, mate. It's unbelievable. You know, analogy after cliche after cliche. But that's exactly what Arteta's given us this season. He's not able, and I said this to you, actually, the Burnley game was probably one of the biggest games that really has fucked me off this season. Because it's a game we should have absolutely smoked them. You know, it weren't a week before, a fucking week before, we can't break down a side like Burnley. Spurs, Spurs generously only smashed them 4 0 the week before. Generously. You know, Spurs dismantled them. And six minutes, six minutes into the game, you're 1 0 up. So you're absolutely going to hedge them out. They're going to fucking come out a few yards. They're going to open up a little bit. They're going to chase the game at some point. And then you go fucking bang and you fuck them. But then what happens? You know, and let's look at the case of the Burnley goal. Yes, it's fucking fluky. Yes, it's a massive mistake. It's not fluky. No, it's not fluky. Oh, no, it was, the ball was kicked against him, deflected him. That could have gone anywhere. Could have hit him in the arm, you know, could have hit him on his bollocks and knocked him down and not done nothing. You know, there was no... But, you know, they got a, a lucky goal from a fucking massive mistake. But then it was almost like that wasn't a lucky goal. And it was genius from Sean Dyson Burnley because they almost went into ascendancy from that moment on. And we almost forgot how to play football. It's a freak goal. You know, it was so reminiscent of Wolves. It's not a freak goal. It's, an, it's, it's another unforced error from a player who actually is starting to, to notch more and more of them in his Arsenal career. And I know you've got it as a point afterwards, so we'll just leave it there. And it is them sniffing out the fact that we've got fucking weak arseholes and couldn't crawl through to half-time. And they pressed us for the last five minutes of a half just to see if they can do anything. Walked away with a freebie. So... Yeah. It's not okay. a, it's not a fucking lucky goal. It's, so, it's it's more the fact that they've looked under our hood and it's made a fucking candy floss. So obviously all that in there, there is this, and we should have been three or four nil up. We should have won that game five one, three one. You know, pick a score to one, give them that goal. There is this little moment where Eric Peters has decided he wants to be in the new Space Jam movie. 
and he starts bouncing the ball up and down in the penalty box with his arm. That's a penalty. Arteta, give him his dues, comes out and goes, if that's not a penalty, someone needs to tell me what it is. That's a penalty kick. That was handball. VAR hasn't even looked at it to clarify that that's not handball. Whereas, whereas 10 seconds later, they are analysing the fuck out of one. Look, we... Huh, well, Even Peter Walton said that was a penalty. I know, and he is a complete fuck. And Andre Mariner, a bigger fuck. Like, and, and, and we can't... We, we, we've said that we cannot keep continuing to give it to match day officials because, again, it looks like a fucking agenda. But by God, they deserve it. Because only a couple of weeks earlier, when the rules state in VAR that when they believe a clear and obvious interception need be made to that of a referee's decision, they intervene. And they thought that they had seen something on Saka that had almost called them to speak to the referee's ear before Saka had even hit the fucking turf. But Pepe is going utterly berserk at the fucking referee and then the linesman, who was parallel to him, so would have seen the contact. And not do they think that a player goes that fucking crazy that they say, let's take a look for us, boss. It is mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. And how VAR, who has to review everything momentarily afterwards so that they are actually in a position to say, I think you might have made a clear and obvious mistake... Do not communicate with him. For me, looks like Andre Mariner's corrupt because you can't well, you can't go one of two ways. I'm sorry that his hand is in a completely unconventional position. You know, I heard someone describe it as the only thing that that looks like it could be conventional for is if you are fucking trying to nurse a spoon of turgid food into your baby's mouth, mimicking that of a fucking aeroplane. And that's a fantastic synopsis of the event. Was the boy Mariner the VAR official for the sending off of David Luiz? I think he may have been. I don't fucking know. You know know data better than me with shit like that. You know, I I think we've been tucked up by Mariner. Uh, We've been tucked up by so many refs now. You know, I do... do, I'm going to say this now. We've drawn that game against Burnley. We should have won it by other means, but we should have also won it because we should have been awarded a penalty. That has happened now too many fucking times this season. The VAR is fisting us. That, you've just mentioned it, is absolutely the point. That I don't want to dwell on it because we definitely should have... Well, we should have had a penalty kick that would have meant that we had had an opportunity to go to 2-1 in the game. But... It is absolutely, there are so, there's so much more to it than that moment, you know? Yeah. Andre Mariner was yeah. the referee and the fourth official was Anthony Taylor and Kevin Friend was the VAR. Fucking Kevin. Yeah, we, 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 know, we know all about them. We, we know, know how they like it's to the same and what they do. fucking names every week. You know, we're getting violated. You know, we, we missed out uh, the boy, is it Lee Mason the previous week with his decisions. VAR is now affecting the game. It's really making it rubbish. It's really ruining it. You know, that game was fucking shit enough as it was, let alone to have that added on it. You know, you mentioned that Foden is the cherry on the cake. Well, this is basically the shit on top of the shit. You know, as I said, it was a really pissed me off that game on on Saturday. All my, you know, ruined my weekend. It ruined my day Saturday. You know, I, there was there was nothing on. So if two o'clock's come, that's it. 
absolutely jack all else to do. And, you know, can't we just have a win? You know, can't we just have some good football? Can't we just have a fair fight? You know, if all I've got to talk about is the fact that Pepe's missed one from 12 yards, you know, I can I can I can talk about that. That Willian is again shit. That Bellerin is again shit. I can talk about them, but I can I can accept it. I can't accept the shit that's going on with VAR, with Arteta and his merry-go-round of lineups. It's just bullshit. And then we now come on to the next point, which is our serial offender, our serial mistake offender, Granite Xhaka. Now let's just stop before we get on to this and say, since the turn of the year, his form has been positive. Since the turn of the year, you know, he's played 12 or 13 games consecutively now. In every minute of has, every minute yeah, of every single game, yeah. by the way. His, his form could be attributed and in there with some of our better performances this season. He has played he has played well since the turn of the year. So this is not about us having a go at you, Granite, about not being a good player, because it's not that. What it's about is that Granite Xhaka has made eight mistakes that have led directly to a goal since his arrival at Arsenal Football Club, which is more, I believe, by three than any other player in that period of time. That is unbelievable when you consider he's a central midfielder, when you consider he's a deep-line playmaker that should be contributing and scoring goals and assisting goals. No, he's not a defender. He's not a David Luiz. He's not a goalkeeper that can have shit games. He is a midfielder. Eight mistakes that have directly led to a goal. Not losing possession in the other person's box and they're running up the other end. Eight mistakes. And he's scored two. Sorry, he's given away two mistakes in as many games, the last two games, James. It's just unbelievable. I mean, first and foremost, he does deserve a special commendation for certainly in, in most other circumstances, he should have been fuck of the week for that one individual moment. Well, we gave Sabayos it last week. And... and should the result against Leicester have been very different, he might have been on the chopping block for a lot more in that game as well. But, you know, the games where he's given goals away have generally resulted in costing us quite significant points. And he hasn't actually scored goals I can only think of one goal he scored where he scored the winner with a, a Xhaka boom. The free kick against Chelsea was went a long way to, uh, to to making that a positive result. You know, that was the second goal. But, you know, you you talk about when he's won or something, when he's done something positive. We're talking about direct mistakes. What these direct mistakes don't include are as when he's done his reckless red cards. And he's had his reckless moments. You know, if you go back to the, the home game against Burnley, we were in a period of ascendancy and his red card has cost us three points there. So against Burnley this year, we've we've come away with, uh, they've come away with four points. We've come away with one point out of six. And you can actually say, I'm going to actually say, that Granite Xhaka is directly responsible for Burnley getting four points of us and us not getting six off of them. Yeah, and I think that's that's it. You know, eight mistakes. It's too many mistakes. I'm sorry. 
You know, it's too many mistakes from someone that's that that lives and dies by you know on the knife edge of being a defender. You know, John, John Stones he has, has not four made that career many mistakes. sendings off. It, actually, that's that's a lie. He's had ten career sendings off in three hundred and forty-two games, four of which he's had for for Arsenal. But all of his Arsenal ones have been direct red cards. You know, some of those were harsh. Some of those were not. You know. But but he's had so many. He's he's really led to a demise in Arsenal football club, which is why the fans have gotten his back. Which is why he is very much a marmite player within the Arsenal. Because well, he, he is another player who leaves himself with no credit in his bank. Because when he does do wrong, he refuses to apologise for it or or takes a fucking. I mean, he, he has he has come out and said after this game, and you know, and he's he's come out in social media after this game, and rightly so. You've got to after this one. It's not like fucking sending off against Burnley last time. You know, you've got to come out and put your hands up about that. But but no, James, this is too many mistakes. Uh, I don't accept it. You know, we've we've lambasted players like Mustafi, who is again he could have been a contender for fuck of the week this week with what he's doing out in Schalke. Dear me, the boy is unbelievable. But yeah, I I, I just think that too many mistakes from Granite Xhaka. He he has to has to stop that. Uh, well, and I don't it, know that he can because obviously it shows that he will have a mistake. I think we worked out that he will, if he plays the way that he is picked, I think he will contribute to sort of 2.17 a season. So, you know, it brings us on to the point that I'd made with you about saying, this is what fucking infuriates me about Arsenal in transfer windows as to why I don't think we're ever going to move forward because he should have been the other player that was replaced because we weren't good enough in either of the centre midfield positions. They never replaced Cazorla and then they were lucky enough to have Ramsey in the same team as Cazorla and then when Ramsey left, well, you absolutely have to replace Ramsey if you've not replaced Cazorla because, all right, not having one... You know, you can sometimes get away with it. Fuck me. You got away with it having Danielson next to Fabregas. But you can't get away with not having Kozola and Ramsey or Nasri. You know, like these you keep these kind of more forward-minded number eights who you keep going through the notions with, they have to be replaced. So when you replace the six and you bring Party in, who we used to, who who we both thought was gonna be you know, the Christmas present that Meza Erzul had guzzled for, then you think, well, you fucking really got a chance at top four football if you get this award deal over the line, which we understood was all there to be had, just uh, an overpayment required to his brother, agent. And then and then you think, no, we're going to pull short. Then we'll let go of Gwen Doozy, okay? And, and then all of a sudden, the re-emergence of Mohamed fucking Elneny comes to the fray, and that's who you're picturing party next to, who's coming from Atletico Madrid, where he's played with players like Coque and some some Javi Martinez and some fine, yes, yeah, sort of like some fine midfielders that he he struggles to get into that team, and he rocks up here and plays with a fucking degenerate like Elneny who couldn't even get in the Basel side. So it's fucking laughable, to be honest. You know, so it led me to go and actually look at the numbers of the players that are actually accommodating these roles. Because I looked at parties and thought, I wonder as a defensive midfielder, because people, I, I remember I didn't know much about him. And I looked at the YouTube reels and I thought, well, fucking hell, he actually he travels a bit like PV4, you know? He, he kind of, 
And we have seen it. I mean, you saw it for the way he turned out of defence and trotted 20 yards and knocked it off to William for Aubameyang's goal. That is what we actually want from party. And we've all seen enough of his range of passing in an Arsenal shirt to think this guy's silky. You uh, refer to him as a, uh, as a fine play, he's very silky like that. And I know you, you've got many... many I, I'm, I'm a massive party fan. But but what you have with party is everything you want from his position. But you know I like a, a food and drink analogy. You know, if you go and you buy yourself the finest gin in the land, and then you take your gin... And you don't buy any tonic and you don't put any ice with it. You're just left with gin. And that's not what you want. So what Arsenal have got by not complimenting party, even to a bit part, is they're stunting what you buy from it. You're not able to get the best out of a £45 million acquisition because you haven't complimented him with the right players and the personnel next to him, which means as a whole... You're asking him to do other jobs that he's maybe not geared to do, which is perhaps why he's got his injury issues this season. And then you, you're just as a team never going forward because you're playing a giant game of whack-a-mole or plugging a leak with fingers. Every time you put your finger over that leak, another one appears here. And it's that mentality that the recruitment side of Arsenal are and the data analysis that we have at Arsenal, they're not looking. They're not able to identify the fact that, in fact, we've got probably brilliant centre-backs in uh, Mary and Louise that we might not need to go and drop 26 million or whatever it was on both Saliba and Gabriel each. You know, another 60 million quid there. Maybe we could drop 50 million a while. What does that give us? Maybe not even a while. Let's let's, let's move away from him as a person. No, 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 no. Let's fucking not. Because he is the player who you and I argued with at the start of the season. Is If you can sign one or t'other, who would you sign? And I, I said to you a while at the time, and I think that Arsenal have not been that significantly better defensively with party in the side. But they are still missing that player in midfield because they because they never picked Urzel and they can't get a fucking dick out of Ceballos and they don't get anything out of Xhaka and they haven't yet actually had an assist or a goal out of Erdegaard, who I don't even know how many minutes he's played for Arsenal yet. But I mean... I mean, that's that, that again, that Erdegaard uh, loan, you know, if he, goes, if he goes back to Madrid and we don't sign him, then, you know, remember we've got Sabias with we've reloaned as well. It's it's just fucking bamboozling that we're spending money on loan players that are not you know, Odegaard's been good. I've been happy with him. How much does Sabias cost Arsenal on loan? I don't know. What you honestly guess with me. I mean, I think we I think we've got him in a cheaper deal this season than we did last season. Last season's loan, there was a significant fee attached. I think this season it's closer to uh, more of a traditional loan of the higher salary, you know, paying his salary with a small fee. Uh, but I, I don't know the ins and outs of it. But that's true. James, we just haven't gone out and recruited. So Erdegaard is, Erdegaard is yet to contribute an assist or a goal in 475 minutes for Arsenal. Don't get me wrong. 
He's showing signs of promise, but he was brought in of this player that everyone was telling me, you're a fucking moron saying these things. And Arsenal gave him eight interviews and five Instagrams and three Twitters and YouTube videos and a, a fucking 1 to 11 squad number and proverbially put the fucking N5 red carpet right out for him. And he's firing blanks. I was just about to get onto the point before I allowed you to very beautifully describe Party as a, as, as a fine gin. Was 460 minutes in La Liga, Party was getting a goal contribution, goal or assist, as a fucking defensive midfielder. I mean, he is the guy who ushers, um, you know, around in front of the back four. Xhaka at Arsenal, 561. El Nenny at Arsenal, 1,035. Fucking Ceballos at Arsenal, 760. Well, Aaron Ramsey was 190. Santi Cazorla was 217. Awa this season at fucking Leon is 197. And in the league and league earn, he is 227. So he absolutely was the right fucking person to buy. And he's gone on and carried on doing it and probably put another 10 million on his price tag. And got another 12 months down the line where teams would have repatriated money around. They'd have got grants in. Their owners might have said, right, this is a window that we can invest in now. France is absolutely fucked. Germany's in trouble as well. These are markets where you might go and get a deal done if you just go cash up front and get ballsy and ruthless. Well, we know for fucking damn sure with the manager and what's gone on at Arsenal that we're not ruthless. So you're going to miss out again on a deal that you could have got done. Because you decided to fucking loan Danny Ceballos with no fucking form there. You, you spent money on Erdogan's loan fee. The, we knew the minutiae from that what was reported. that it, well, You're talking about 5 million euros, something like that. That was the difference between the OR deal. 5 million. They walked away from that deal for 5 million. That is one... Um, that, I mean, and, and in this period of time... You know, they've taken a £125 million loan from the Bank of England as well, Arsenal. James, James, it's, 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 it's dumbfounding that we are still, we are now sitting here on the 8th of March when we, we started discussing this back in August. And the same, it's Groundhog Day. The same problem is still the problem now than it was then. I think, I think we've learned more, though. We've learned a lot more about the problems, though. You know, you know, personally, you know, back then we, we might have been looking at the investment from the owners as to blame them for not getting the wild deal over the line. Well, they're, they're, now, as they're I- attributed with complete and utter compassion by Arteta and Edu for getting the fucking party deal over the line. So what fucking budget did the team have before they fucking signed that twat? Because, I mean... I'm- They've only bought Gabriel. They've formally signed Mari and Cedric, which cost 12 million, and Gabriel was 25. So that's 37 million pounds. They sold Emmy Martinez for 20 and a few other fringe players. So what? They get a fucking they get a fucking measly budget of 12 million quid. And fat and the fans. The budget side of Arsenal Football Club is something we've discussed. And I also just think even if you gave Edu, I, I think if you give Edu and Arteta the budget that you, you know, you pick a number, I still think they'd fuck it up. I still think they wouldn't sign the It's off. fucking Charles. They would not. You know, remember, you've got to add Willian into that mix as well. They've they've got Willian in on a free. That's that's costing money, you know. And you you and you still haven't. No, Willian. Willian basically was just handed Mkhitaryan's contract. 
It was a like for like on the wage on, on, on the wage bill. Yeah, but then on the wage bill, you can hand a Mkhitaryan's contract. No, of course and maybe you can. That, may, and maybe that five million don't exist no more. Yeah, I, I fucking completely agree. But they done the Willie Ann deal the fucking day the window opened. It was like bang straight in. Um, and I think this is something that you'll see. And I think the Erdogan deal. And, and if we're proven wrong on this, we'll take it. No, no, no. You, I, look, I know you believe what that. What I think well, it is. You can't be... Is it's about... Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not letting you get away with that. Because you say proven wrong on this deal. You messaged me during the game and said, they must go hammer and tong in the summer to sign this guy. And I, I agree. No, I, hold on, hold no, on. Don't agree that, with me. That's my, your my point. Neg- I don't agree my, with my, that statement. My, my negativity about the Erdogan deal is he's going to be a five-second loan. And I don't like that part. If you're going to sign him, I think he can improve our football club. But my point is... No, but signing Arsenal a fucking pro- player that clearly we're not given a budget for in a position now that actually Smith-Rowe can do a job in. And they still haven't finished this. It took years to replace Vieira. You know, there's a clear fucking gap in what works there. It took them actually years to replace Fabregas. I mean, it took them six years to fucking... Five years to sign Ozil who was the person who could fulfil his duties. They were lucky that Ramsey came through a couple of years later, properly came through in 2014, post his, his proper injury, where he could replace Nasri, you know? And that was a player that they did bring through the academy. But there isn't looking like there's a player in that number eight position that, that is nearly ready to come into that um, into that role yet. No. Yeah, James, we need, we're going to need to go and regroup and repurchase in the summer. You know, we're going to have to. And hopefully we Maybe will have... Maybe they bring Green Doozy back. I don't know, but I, do, I don't... Actually... I've, I've heard reports that he's played his last game. They're going to be shipping him out for 25 mil. That's what I've heard. Which, which is actually quite a good deal because they paid 8 million for him. So to get 200% on your investment is a good deal. Anybody takes that. You know, if you fucking offer 200... Especially if you're not intending to use that element of your side. You don't want him. No. So, so you know... Fair play if they can if they can achieve that, but then use it wisely, and you, you must accommodate that fucking position. But you, you know the, the numbers the numbers are dumbfounding, Bob. You know our 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 best contributor from the two position is a player we've brought in who I don't I think actually only has one assist so far. I think Party has a assist for Arsenal. Um, he hasn't scored yet. You know. And from you've got that base of goalkeeper plus four, which is you know your which is just shy of fifty percent of your team. Which is please retain our goals conceded to as close to one or lower as you possibly can. That would be fucking brilliant of you. The two help those guys, and you have to help these guys up here. You know, and and they're not contributing, dick. You know, they're they're, they're not. They're not. I'm. I think we could regroup in the summer. I think we're going to have to spend some money. I think that hopefully, and this is going to bring us on to our next point, that Champions League football next year, which I believe that if Arsenal are playing in Europe next season, it will be in the Champions League, is important. And we do have Olympiakos in what is, again, a must-win game for Arsenal Football Club because all of our eggs are firmly lying in the Europa League basket this season. So we've talked about Arteta for long 
parts of tonight's thing. What do we expect from Arteta in the lineup? What do we expect from him, the style of football he's going to play? Because for me, we have to score two goals away from home against the Olympiacos. We should be beating a Greek side by two or more goals. Because we need those away goals because last season we only got one and it burnt our arse off. You know, in terms of who I would expect to see personnel-wise on the pitch. Now, I'm going to say, do you want to say who we want to play, James? Or do we want to say who we think he'll select? I don't know. Whatever. You choose. See, I, I think, obviously, we don't need to talk too much about the the majority of this centre, but the, the defence. Uh, it will, I'm, think, I'm absolutely sure he's going to play Cedric. Really? I think he will. Well, I'm, look, I cannot fathom that he don't play him anywhere near the squad on Saturday if he ain't playing him on Thursday. I cannot fathom that because there's just no... It's nonsense to, to rest a player for fucking over a week, eight days, eight and a half days if you look at kickoff times for Spurs. Nonsical. I don't see that as a, a logical thing, you know, because he's turned around and said he's rested, he's not injured. Middle of the park, we will see Xhaka, we will see Party. Above them, we will obviously, you know, he's going to play Saka, Erdegaard. Probably on the left, he's going to end up playing. I hope he's going to play Abamian with, with Lacazette up front. That's what I hope. That's what I think he should do. Arsenal's best opportunity of winning that game. Probably isn't with Saka, like you said, with, with Pepe. But I think he'll play Saka because he just will. We've got to win against Olympiacos, James, haven't we? Cedric has played 1,500 minutes this season. And he, which and, which, and he which needs, is nothing. It's nothing. And he needs resting. It's, it's fucking pathetic. Honestly, it's, it's, it's utterly pathetic. I mean, I, I'm, I'm fucking done with it. Like, he needs resting. Cool, perfect. If you're resting him, then give the person who's the only other person in the squad the opportunity to dismantle him from the team that plays Olympiacos. Because one thing you said then that was definitely right is all our eggs are firmly in this fucking basket because it's the only way that we that we do find a path back to Europe. You're absolutely right. And other than that, one thing that we haven't actually touched on is, you know, the uh, creation now of the fucking Europa League Cup or whatever it is, which is the third tier of European football, which is when you're playing the fucking cannon fodder and the fucking postman of a fucking village in the 100 miles from Cardiff or something like that. So, you, you know, and that... To qualify for that would be a fucking embarrassment. Yeah, that, that, that would be... I'd rather not play in Europe. No, of course you wouldn't, because some of the teams that you're going to play with the utmost respect to the association football football clubs of the continent is is going to be is going to be so embarrassing it will just highlight even more the banter fc club that arsenal have become when you are i mean i can't i cannot fathom where you'll be trotting off to you know who 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 would you who would you play against ponty Preeth, you know would 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 fireman sam generally captain the opposition with fucking norman price at right back and fucking here we here we are at Balamori, where it is 
Uh, Arsenal Football Club versus Balamori. And, and that's exactly the level of ridiculousness that will be. And what also comes with that level of ridiculous comes ridiculous pitches, ridiculous personnel. You know, Fireman Sam does a two-footed tackle, rips the shin off your next young player, you know, your Emil Smith-Rowe, and that's him out for the season. No, exactly. That's what you got happens. Norman, Norman Price at right back, fucking, you know, starting starting a fire at half-time so that he can fucking throw, uh, so, so that he can throw a fucking petrol can on it by fucking breaking Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's leg as the ball fucking hobbles over a corpse. But, you know, from, you can you imagine a local pitch where there's no seating? That's the kind of thing that you could, that you could come across to. Oh, we've got a Thursday evening game. We can't actually get any TV cameras there. So we've been able to um, perform a live broadcast on Instagram live where People are using their iPhone 4s and uh, there is a uh, Gab- capacity Gabriel Martinelli is in the crowd, not been hacked this time and he's doing an the insta ha- The halftime entertainment is our very own Ponty Pre Fire Station's Elvis who will be performing a... Perf- who will be performing on his electric I, I, guitar. I, I believe I mean, it's Ponty Pandy, I think. Ponty Pandy, yes, absolutely. Ponty right. Preed is actually a real place in, in Wales. But no, James, Olympiakos is such an important game this week. Now... I asked you this beforehand. I ask it now again. What is more important, Olympiakos or the Spurs result to Laguna? Both. Both. You have to you have to sustain some kind of compassion and treat a North London derby with everything that it should be treated with. And Spurs in years gone by, where we were the superior team, you know pulled results out of absolutely nowhere where they didn't have form coming into the game. And it's absolutely essential that Arsenal do the same thing. Because one thing I can remember Emery by is I don't remember him being embarrassed by Spurs. But I think he actually beat them 5-2 and 4-2 respectively. 4-2. Yeah, but I remember the 4-2 game. He battered them. That was one of the best games. Well, we we beat them 5-2 twice. So, uh, and I think one of them was a Wenger and I think one of them was a... An Emery. So the em- the Emery result was the, his best ever performance of an Arsenal football team. Yeah, it was. But yeah, no, rare and I think that's a very interesting thing, James. I, I might when we were talking about this beforehand, I said that for me, the result of the Olympiakos game is probably the most important result, but the performance of the Tottenham Hotspur game is the most important performance. If Arsenal play like absolute clowns and nick a 2-0 win against Olympiakos, I'm happy with that. If they play with passion and they're actually wanting to fucking win and giving everything and leaving everything out there and get mugged off by a Harry Kane penalty 1-0, then I will take it. I don't want it, but it's the difference that when we played them, you know, back in December, that Arsenal were a shower of shit. They were a wet lettuce, you know. They were a blanketless pig. They were a, they were vegan cheese and all of that. And that that's exactly what I don't want. I, what, is, I want what is vegan cheese called? Is it schmeez or something like that? I think it's called it's called cheese, spelt with an S H double E S E. I mean, for fuck's sake, you know. We could talk about this all day long, that malarkey. But no, I just want Arsenal to fucking give a shit against Spurs. I want them to leave everything out there. I, I think I in... think actually a North London derby is is the biggest marker of where a squad plays for their manager because it is 
whether it's with or without fans, it is the, you know, the earmark uh, fixture of the football calendar. And that, that particular derby holds a hell of a lot of clout. And I think he really struggled in the, you know, it was a case of boys and, you know, boys and, and men in the, in the first game. And I've not seen a performance so lacklustre in North London derby like that. Benign. It was benign. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, the point of memory was he did manage to get his soldiers in line for um, a fairly honourable performance against Spurs in the North London derby. Well, he had players like Terea, Guendouzi, that were right up in the grills of the Spurs. Eric Deer, I remember when he scored that goal. He got a proper fucking, um, he got a proper afternoon out of both Lacazette and Aubameyang, both scoring that day as well. I think Aubameyang yeah, got and, a brace. Yeah, and uh, Lacazette got the other one and uh, the fourth goal was scored by Torreira, which was a brilliant goal. But every single player went and did it, you know, went and gave their shit. You know, going back a few years ago, I think Mustafi... Uh, scored a goal. We drew one all with Spurs, November the 6th. Uh, November 6th, 2016, this would have been. No, that shows my memory there. Uh, but we gave a shit then, even though the match result well, we had a, We had a game where we were actually quite poor. And then I remember, um, you know, I think we drew one all with them. Kieran Gibbs scored from left back from a fine angled ball from Ozil on the, um, on the diagonal. And it was just showing the desire to just get something out of the game. You know, and and that's all you want as a football fan to see your team give their all. You know, results don't always come your way, but when you give your all, you can say, "Oh, we lost." You know, I'm dis- I'm so upset with the Bernie result because it was predictable, it was blah, and it wasn't the result. You know. Even if we'd have got that penalty in one two one, yes, the result would have been different, but the rest of it would have been predictable and blah. I don't want, I don't care. I want Spurs to be fucking hell. Can't believe they did that. What a tackle that was by Xhaka. He got sent off, but it was right up the armpits of him. You know, I don't condone violence, but I want oh that brawl on the pitch. You know, when they did that, I want passion. You know. I yeah, and it's it's look, and going into this game, I don't know, you know, can can we win this game? I don't think you can. I think form is out the window a little bit with uh, with heated derbies. But I do, am I confident going into the Spurs game? I have had the fucking life sucked out of me losing the Burnley game because you mentioned it last week. I think you fucked us, actually. You, you said we will now go on a winning streak until I think something like April the fucking 20-something where because uh, we'll beat Liverpool as well and something will come a cropper at some point. I mean, it's just, it, was, it was fucking nonsense. But the, the Burnley game sucks the life out of where you're at, especially the way you conceded to drop the points and then didn't convert it and then all of the fucking hitting the bars and fucking diving, fucking diving like a fucking salmon out of fresh water, shoulders, you know, taking the ball off the fucking goal line after, you know, it just, just could not get the ball in the net if we stayed there for another 500 minutes. But... You know, fucking all of a sudden, out of absolutely nowhere, Bale marches into form. He just, like, cannot stop fucking scoring goals or assisting goals. Kane's record against Arsenal, it fucking makes shivers go down my spine. And his record this season's phenomenal. 
Harry Kane. He's, he, I think his he, has numbers four, he has are, 40 goal contributions this season or something in all competitions. Yeah, 36 games, 24 goals, 16 assists. Yeah, which is ludicrous. And his goal-scoring record against Arsenal actually is, I think he has a contribution every something less than 90 minutes. So, And he's, he's he always manages to get a penalty as well. You know, I, I, I can't remember the last time Harry Kane didn't score a penalty against Arsenal. I can't remember the last time Harry Kane didn't score a penalty, actually. He's a, he's a phenomenal kick-taker. I... You said on the notes, do we put our strongest eleven out there, or is Europa the more the more pressing thing? And I've said to you, and, and I and I absolutely stand by it because I think it cost us against Burnley that the only other manager in the league at the moment who continues to tinker with his side every single week because it seems all of a sudden that the it actually seems like Jurgen Klopp has been space jammed and someone has come and sucked away his superpowers because. He is changing his team with three or four players every week. And they, yeah, but he's they, having they, loads of injury issues. But, and I know, but he is also tinkering around. And, you know, obviously they lost to Fulham yesterday, but he played a completely different front three for the first time ever. And he's now lost six home games in the league on the bounce. Arteta cannot pick the same team week after week. He just, he just, he just cannot. And he isn't getting dumbfounded with significant amounts of injuries. Like, you know, one here or there. Not a catastrophic change where you've got to flip your whole team up like a, a clock. And and he needed he had all the players available to him from the team that beat Leicester, all of them. And to to say people like Cedric need a rest when, you know, he's barely played fifteen hundred minutes. I'm not even gonna take issue with resting Cedric if you play Bellerin, who is fully match fit and accustomed to how the team is meant to play. I'm taking issue that you brought someone from Fucking nowhere. I, I actually, yeah, that that's a very valid point. But I do take issue when you haven't rested Xhaka, who's played thirteen games on the trot. So yeah, Xhaka's nearly played as many minutes in the last consecutive games that Cedric's played all year in six months, exactly. And that's since the fucking fall of like the new year or something, January to 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 you know the end of Feb. So yeah, so it's, it's not it's, it's fucking by the by. He's not that much fitter than him because we said in the stats against Leicester, like oh, Cedric's just done eleven kilometers. So he obviously feels fucking fit as a button, and <laughs> he deserves. He hasn't had the run of games at right back, just like Pepe hasn't had the run of games in the side when he's got into form, and it continues to be the tinkering with the players who actually give the manager a fucking problem. So he, you know. Mate, we have to beat Olympiacos. I don't know anything about their form. All I know is that fucking, that, 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 that fuck uh, Socrates is there. So, you know, he'll probably fucking score two and save eight off the line. And, um, and we'll just be where we'll be. It is, it's very funny that an entire football year later, we are in the exact same position which people started to question Mikel Arteta's employee at last year. So let's have a look at the two games as a whole. Scoreline for Olympiacos and scoreline for Spurs, James. Uh, I think we'll beat Olympiacos 2-1. I think we'll lose 3-1 to Spurs. I think we'll beat Olympiacos 3-1. Uh, I think we will draw one all with Spurs. Fair enough. And we will score from open play and Harry Kane will score a penalty. Yeah, they will score from open play with Bale, Son and, and Kane up front. He, 
He, he fu- I know you can't bring yourself to say it, but I'm just being a realist. Like, you, you, mu- you must be fucking dizzy. That I- and it's, it's so Mourinho. That's why I'm just not going to fucking fall a cropper and just get some sense of false hope that will put him over his knee and give him a spanking like a naughty little girl. Because he, he fucks Arsenal at every opportunity. And he's probably found 5% in the last three weeks thinking that he's got this fixture now. Other than the fact that he wants to probably have a proper run at trying to get a squeeze into the top four, which I think is highly unlikely. But Do you think we can finish above Spurs this year? No, and, and the, uh, because, I, because I think the form that we're in leading into this game is categorical to that, that, that tide changing. So if we do beat them, then, it's a, then it is an opportunity because we have to take points out of them. But if we draw or lose points to them, we are we're so far behind. We'll be ten games to go to the end of the season, and what will be actually very interesting is I think we're on thirty eight points now. We are we're on yeah, thirty eight. We we're on thirty eight points. I find it you know normally sixty eight points doesn't actually get you in the top four, and sixty six got you in the top four last year. So if we beat Spurs. We will still need to take twenty-five from our remaining thirty to to get into one of the top four positions. That I think I think it's more of a fairer thing that if you see we've got we'll see eleven games left, so thirty-three points gets us to seventy-one. Uh, Chelsea have ten games left, who are currently in fourth with fifty points. So are we saying that they're not? going to amass 21 points. Chelsea amassed 22 points. We physically cannot get yeah, into and Tuchel has very, very interestingly amassed 21 in his first nine games. So, so, yeah, so you have to say that it's not going to be Arsenal season for finish there. Spurs are seven points ahead of us with a level game. So obviously a win for Arsenal means that's four points off level games. So I think sun, Sunday's fixture... Is it's significant now? You've said that it's very. It's significant. the ball game. It's yeah. the ball game. I think. I think. I think. I, think I, I go as far as to say this: if we can get a win, I think we can and possibly will finish above them. But if we can going to their lovely shiny new stadium without any fans, you know, and and beating them there, I don't. I can't, can't recall the last time we beat them at White Hart Lane any of the White Hart Lanes, actually, to be fair. They've obviously finished above us for a number of seasons now. Last time I think we finished above them was uh, 2016 season. So, obviously, we're under a lot of pressure to do something with that. So, yeah, I, I, I think we we need to do something this weekend, this week, really, because Arteta has to change it, because otherwise we're going to just be going around on our merry little merry-go-round saying, oh, well done, Arsenal. Oh, Arteta. Well done, Arsenal. Oh, Arteta. Well done, Willian. Oh, Willian. Well done this, well done that. I'm just thinking, I'm getting... It's a monotony that is not fair on any Arsenal fan. Me, you, our friends out, our friends and brothers and sisters out there that all support Arsenal. Let me leave you with one question just before we go, because um, we've... We've touched our kind of normal mark where we leave these uh, fantastic listeners, of uh, which I am extremely grateful for those that tune in. What does Mikel Arteta have to do, actually, to save his job in the summer? I mean, for, for me, I think it's dumbfounded that we the stats that we did earlier, 
and how how shy of Emery and Bofenga he was. Because just to make up the gap between where he is now and where Wenger, who, like you said, the fan base were very prominent in ushering out, is 16 points over a 47-game period. Because it's a season and a quarter, it's very easy to work out that he needs to improve by 12 points a season, which is four wins, which is, is, is significant. He has to win... Well, it actually makes total fucking sense because he's won forty-two percent and Wenger was fifty-five, so he has okay, to win. So let's let's qualify that point, James. So you're suggesting that on current situations you would replace Arteta in the summer? But I don't. I don't. Would you? Would you? No, that's fine. I don't, I'm not going to disagree with you. I would have. I, I, I would have honestly replaced Arteta at the Chelsea game, no matter what the result was. In my opinion, I, I think that I think that the way the treatment of the two past permanent managers has meant that he has overstayed his welcome. And I appreciate that people say, well, if you don't give people a chance, but it's in those particular periods, you've not given any, you've not given other people a chance. You've not given... Em- Emery had a 70-point season off the back of taking over a job that someone had had for 25 years. I mean... And he, and he qualified for the... He got to the Europa League final and he missed out in the Champions League by a point. If we were talking about Arteta now where we were gutted that he missed the Champions League top four places by a solitary win. I cannot tell you how far that feels away from me as an Arsenal fan now. To, to think, to, honestly, to think about finishing fifth is dumbfounded. It's, I, 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 I cannot fathom Arsenal finishing in the top six in the foreseeable future. That, you know, something so categorical you asked me a question about what keeps his job. I'm going to say, and I think Arsenal fans would rejoice at us losing in the semi-final of the Europa League and finishing above Spurs. I actually think a lot of Arsenal fans would be happy with that result for this season, finishing above Spurs and a semi-final loss. Wait, and, and finishing above Spurs then, I assume, would make you finish in the Europa League places. So you would... Mate, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that you could be talking 7th and 8th or, you know... But 7th gets sixth. you in the Europa League, doesn't it? I think you need certain results to happen, but yeah. And and if you don't finish in the Europa League places and you end up finishing in this Europa Banter Cup, you know, with um, Norman Price and Sam and the gang, right, there's no way you pull a big name in in, in, in management who subjects their career to that. You don't, because no, you've now you... gone past the stage where a big manager can bring respected, quality players to a football club. The football club now can't bring the fucking manager in to even start talking to the players about saying, come and join our, our, our club. We've got this vision that we're going to do this. We're fucking playing Ponty Preed and, and Cork City, but don't worry about it because fucking... Hold your hat on me. We'll be back against Real Madrid and Bayern Munich in no time. Like, mate, the 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 disdain that Arsenal are in at the moment is so much worse than 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 people care to fathom. And it is actually being it's actually forming part of the acceptance that papering over cracks is just okay, and it's what we and it's what we live by. The fact that the chaps lost sixteen games in forty seven is. Is is actually absurd. I, I I I don't know why I've just not computed that that's that he has lost 
that many games. It's one in three, isn't it? Well, worse than one in three. Yeah. And I kind of go back and... You know, respect- if, you, if, you, if you look at it, James, you know, 38, if you're losing, well, 48, if, you, if you're losing 30% of your games, which is what he is, what, 32%, 34% of your games, you pay 38 league games a year, you're losing 12 games. It, well, it's, not, it's 13, it's 12.92, right? Which so means, which means it, just call it 13, yeah? So 13 minus, you know, 38 minus 13 is... 25. So that actually means that your maximum, your physical maximum layout is 75 points. Which might get you top four. It might get you in somewhere from third to twentieth. It physically will not. It physically cannot get you first or second because no, 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 no one's ever finished first with that many points. I think only the season that maybe we should have won the league. Actually, we've the second place has finished with less points than that. But it's a total, total write-off. We are, we are, we're sort of lost for words a bit, aren't we, James? Well, we're not lost for words. We've talked for ages on this, but. But it is sort of like, wow, we're actually we're coming to terms with the realism that, that that we're just not in the race. I mean, not in the race for sort of every element within the club. Every element is meaning we're not in the race. We're not good enough at board level. We're not good enough at senior management level. We're not good enough at management and coaching level. The players are playing as well as they can but they're being rotated and some are playing badly, some are making mistakes, some are doing silly things, some have attitudes that stink. So every little level that we're doing as a football club that you need to do right, we're doing wrong. You know, we are being very, very successful at the moment, Arsenal, at doing things wrong. You know, West Ham are half-time against Leeds now, 2-0, Lindegaard scoring again. You know, West Ham, where have they come from? You know, West Ham are going to finish above Arsenal for the first time in however many years. Spurs are going to finish above Arsenal. Again, Chelsea are going to finish above Arsenal. Again, you know, we're not even in the same breath as being regarded as the top London club anymore. We're now sort of saying, oh, we might finish above like Fulham or AFC fucking Wimbledon. You know, and that's exactly the level that we're at at the moment. And and that's fucking saddening. It really, really is saddening that we are so... And it's up... It's just, but it is, it's saddening, James. I can't even get angry about it anymore because we're just... Oh, it's just gutting, you know? And I know you feel it the same way as me. I, I can... I see it in your face now. I, I remember we have one of our first rants where you went absolutely apeshit following, I think it was the Leicester game when you just went straight in and you were passionate and steam and blood pouring out of you. And I now look at you and you just, I, f- I feel, you know, I need, I need to give you a hug, you know, you know, as soon as, as soon as we can, we will. But yeah, Arsenal need to sort ourselves out. They need to start right now. You know, it's too late even. Just wrapping up now, really. It's Mother's Day when we play Spurs on Sunday. So I just want to wish um, happy Mother's Day to my mother out there. Uh, won't be able to see you uh, in person, but I will... Uh, obviously furnish you with some uh, flowers and probably some sparkling beverage. What a fine young man. Yeah, I'll try my best. And obviously your good self, James, uh, your your lovely young lady, also a mother there. 
uh, with your your two your two weens will be furnishing her with gifts, no doubt. We we no doubt will have a um, a little arts and crafts uh, sesh where um, a card may be constructed with the um, various crayon pens, pencils, and felt tips that we have at our disposal. So, do you do you, as a, as a mum or as a dad when it's Father's Day? If you get a handmade card, do you go? Oh, that's really lovely. Or, I'm going to be honest, this is how I would do it. I would go, well, was, was the fucking shop shut? Could you not buy me a card? Because you know, there's a reason why Hallmark make a lot of money. It's because they do good cards. They don't get a two-year-old with a glue gun to, and a bit of fucking and lentils being sprinkled on some blue lentils. cards lentils. to fucking be a card. Lentils, that's This is a sun made out of pui lentils. <laughs> <laughs> oh fucking hell what is it your, your your medium carb day on your keto diet you can eat yeah. it afterwards no I mean I, I think with the utmost respect I think when you become a parent actually to see that you haven't just gone to the shop and bought something and you know you've put time into making something for that person it's sort of sometimes it's sometimes nicer I mean Actually, it's a significantly more of an effort for me to sit here with Ivy and Theo and and then, you know, knock up a card for Nicole than it is just to trot down the mall and just um, try and find the most, adver- you know, adversely gruesome one that, um, you know, that sort of tables some form of banter at her, at her parenting skills. So, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, my... What I, Nicole makes it a bit difficult for me because she despises flowers. She has a... Uh, quite bad pollen allergy, so I can't just uh, berate her in uh, in roses or, or whatever. So I let I, Ivy's um, Ivy's a keen shopper, so she can step up to the mantle. And um, as long as she finds something within that one to eight pound bracket, you know, we will uh, give Nicole everything she deserves and more. Uh, I think I might start winding my mum up and start sending random Mother's Day cards to her from other kids. <laughs> I think just you. To see her I think I think you when you know Nicholas maybe. Um, Casting over the uh, over the stove, you know, knocking up a stew or wherever it is that you uh, have in the Howe household. Maybe you should get the poil lentils out and see what you can uh, what you can do at thirty nine. Mate, you've just dropped in the bowl that my missus is cooking. She 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 doesn't ever cook. I I am the chief cook and bottle washer in our household. So the day that she's standing over the stove making a stew, I'll be standing over my phone ordering a delivery room. <laughs> <laughs> on that note we, we there's I, I fucking hate moon pig cards it's the, the the least amount of effort in the world a moon pig card you know that's it's, actually it's, that's not true because uh, a moon pig card actually takes the effort to construct the message which you have to do anyway by pen moon pig now has, has actually taken their tech on another level where you can hand write your message and then via image they will suck that little baby out and put it into the card for you. That's very, that's very good. It is very clever. Although so, I've I mean, got and, very and, bad handwriting. So probably... Moonpig has been um, a darling for me because I've been able... I'm not sure I understand. <laughs> me neither, mate. Me neither. <laughs> we've, um, we've been able to um, send um, my dearest uh, a Moonpig for... Um, for, for for her Mother's Day because obviously I'm, I'm here and I won't be able to see her either. So... Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I, I love it's. Uh, I love you know Mother's Day and so, 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 so it is a, it's a nice thing to say thank you to. I'm not a massive Father's Day fan personally, 
Uh, I, I, not not for any reason other than I find it a bit of an uh, it's it's not a traditionalist as Mothering Sunday uh, that falls into it. But you know, everyone I, I still do the card. And it it's just one of those way. days, isn't it, Father's Day? Well, it's Father's Day today, so I'm going to sit here and I'm going to do nothing. And then the mum's like, well, it's just every other Sunday then, isn't it? You know, it's kind of like that goes on in every single household up and down the land. Yeah, and you know, and then a row would break out. I said, oh, bollocks to this. I'm going out the pub. Are you chirping on? And then the guy actually ends up with his ultimate wish, which will end. Pubs will be open on this Father's Day should Boris's roadmap be rolled out successfully. So, um, look, Bob, you've done very well to distract me away from our bear because I probably would have <laughs> carried on. Uh, starting with him as fuck of the week. I really hope he isn't fuck of the week next week because I, I really want to retain some kind of moral compass when I get to the end of the Spurs fixture on Sunday. And I think it's um, I think it's imperative that we have a good performance on Thursday against Olympiacos. We must go into that second leg with a feeling of strength or some wind in our sails. So... You know, it's been good. We're, we're delaying and um, and just um, chatting, chatting the breeze now. So we'll leave these lovely people to get on with it. Mate, day. it's been a pleasure as always, James. So uh, I will bid you a fond farewell now and to our listeners. Uh, just before we go, remember people, www.beer52.com forward slash Jim Bob. Get some free beer. Give it to your mum for Mother's Day. There you go, Mother's Day presents for five ninety five. Just to post some packages. Dear Mum, I've signed exactly. you up to Beer Fifty Two. Off you drink. Yes, very nice. Don't worry about your flowers. Have a Rabubra Streisand. Have a rub or, or a Nargill coconut pastry stout or such like. You know, uh, I did indulge in a, a few a few from the box at the weekend actually. Yeah, sort of had a soreish head Sunday morning. In between before. stacking shelves at Tesco's in your uh, work attire that you're... Uh... Yeah, I actually got this from when I went to Home Bargains yesterday with the missus. That was a, you know, that was a an experience uh, that we, we haven't got time for me to go into. And you should yeah. only wear it at home and it wasn't a bargain. So, uh, well done. I'll be... <laughs> Anyway. Um, Okay, look, it's been a a journey as always. Up the Arsenal. Come on, we're winning it all. I've been Jim. And I've been Bob. See you soon.